Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast. It is season four and I am here in the podcast studio today with one of my favorite people, instructor Christine, instructor Swanee, Swanee, <laughs> whatever you want to call her. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Swanee. Hi, Sh- good. <laughs> well, that was a good start. I don't really know what question you were answering. <laughs> answering there but hey i'm i'm hooked on knowing the question now so what was the question to that answer good how are you today well i'm glad we got the order right right yes so season four this episode is starting off with some good giggles already swanny and i have both had a a good giggly morning Mm -hmm. already so who knows where this podcast might end up but today we wanted to talk about some of the things that we think are really really important in terms of skills to teach the average dog and i'm sitting here if you're if you're watching us on the video podcast, you'll see Swanee is trying really hard right now not to burst out into gales of laughter, yes, which yes. is my favorite Swanee look. <laughs> if you're listening to us on the podcast, you'll just have to envision her standing there. Remember back in school when you would try so hard not to laugh not, yes. when the teacher was, you know, in serious mode? Right. And I'm going to guess that you were the silly person in the classroom. I was. I was very much, but <laughs> I never got surprised. blamed. I never got blamed for it. It was always the people sitting around me who took the blame. Oh, I bet. And that is, those of you who are watching on the video podcast, you're probably seeing this very innocent looking woman sitting across from me. And mm-mm, no, <laughs> she would get the others in high school all in trouble around her. So hopefully she doesn't get me in trouble today. We'll see how this goes. No, I'm, I'm, I flipped off that switch and I'm in serious mode. Serious Swanee Serious mode. mode. Alrighty. Perfect. So today's topic I thought was a really interesting one, and it's actually one that you came up with. So uh, yep. what sort of what what spurred that for you? What made you think of this topic? I don't know. It just it just popped in my brain. It uh, yes, it just popped in there. Alrighty. Well, what we are going to be talking about today is some of the fundamentally important skills that we need to teach our dogs. You know, whether they're puppies or whether they're young adult dogs, or even if they are older dogs that you're bringing into your home. Some of these really important skills to teach that are going to make all the difference between a dog that you really enjoy living with and you can you know manage and handle and and live a wonderful life with and a dog that causes a lot of frustration because they don't necessarily have the skills that we need them to have to get along in our human world. So today's topic, let's start with settle. What do you think about settle as a command for your dog? Well, settle is a very well used command in my house, especially Mm -hmm. when I have young rambunctious dogs or Mm -hmm. brand new dogs. I want them to be able to calm down on command yeah. and for me to be able to take control. So settle is, is, is for me really important. Yeah. So, so crucial. And I will agree with you 100%. It's probably why it's number one on my talking points mm-hmm. list here is because it is such an important command to have. And initially it starts with our young dogs with just draining the energy out of the situation. So I would start this with like collar hold situations. Mm-hmm. So for example, I would start with my young baby puppies. This is one of the skills that we teach in our puppy essentials program, both online and in person. And oftentimes we really have 
have to convince people how important this command is to teach or how important it is to be able to reach in and take a hold of your puppy's collar. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it doesn't quite make sense until you've gotten into some of the naughtier behaviors a little bit later in life. So I can totally understand the disconnect that our students often have, but oftentimes they will be able to take the collar with their young puppies without too much, um, without it being too much of a hassle. And they think, oh, my puppy, this is a piece of cake. It's a really easy thing. And mm-hmm. of course my puppy is going to be able to let me take their collar. Right, yes. But then what happens in your experience? What are some of the fallouts of not practicing things like taking the collar? Well, puppy, young puppies are very compliant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're built like that. That's the stage of development. But as they grow, they start to mature and they start to test the waters. They'll yeah. go through feisty stages. <laughs> They'll go through like super rambunctious stages. And sort of and, like Swanee here in the studio today. <laughs> <laughs> and at those points, you know, dogs will say, you know, I don't want you touching my collar. Mm-hmm. You know, I, they know that once we have their collar, we generally have control. And, you know, some dogs will say, I don't want the fun to end. Yep. So you can't touch my collar. Yeah, for sure. And they forget their the puppy training, you know, like the, the times we practiced it when they're eight, nine weeks old and we're compliant. The dog doesn't remember that when they're nine months old and they're, you know, bopping around your house, um, you know, flying off the walls, jumping off the couches. Absolutely. They, they don't remember that. Absolutely. And this is step one of many steps to create a saddle command with our mm-hmm. dogs. So this collar taking is such an important piece of information for our puppies because it allows them to start to associate us taking their collar with then calming down. Whereas if I'm only taking their collar when I'm clipping on a new leash or when we're going outside to go for a walk, that association is almost always going to be excitement for my mm-hmm. dog. So if I practice systematically taking a hold of my puppy's collar and rewarding them for settling as I hold their collar, that will start to build this skill and this association of settling when I take a hold of the collar. And then what we do, of course, initially we lure in nice and close with food. We take the collar and then we reward with food. But of course, we don't always want to have that food there. Right. So those are the early stages of teaching. And basically mm-hmm. in our Puppy Essentials program, we start from this lure in to take the collar and we train transition to the point where at the end of the program, after the fourth week progression, we can basically go from playtime with our puppies and, you know, pushing them Mm -hmm. away, having a little run and chase, et cetera, or getting down on our knees and playing with them. If we've got little dogs, we can transition from that play and that sort of, you know, good time with our puppies to telling them settle, taking a hold of the collar. And we see it time and time again with the people who do put importance on taking Mm -hmm. the collar and practicing these exercises and building duration where the puppies will then just drain their energy right out of the scenario, which is fabulous. And then that, of course, is a precursor to now working play and settle without necessarily taking the collar just Mm -hmm. by you know, having a moment with your dogs where you say, okay, it's okay for you to jump on me at this point. It's okay for you to chase me. It's okay for you to, you know, whatever rules you want to establish in play. Mm. Completely up to you. And what are some of the, what are some of the rules in play with your own dogs that you have decided are important? Well, when I play with my dogs, I don't want them to bite me. Okay, good. So, you know, they've, they've, you know, had the first eight weeks in the litter biting all the other puppies, but Mm -hmm. you know, you can't bite people like you did then. So uh, no biting play stops then. Perfect. It also stops. You don't grab my, my shirt and Mm -hmm. pull on it. You don't grab my pants and pull on it. I'm not big on barking, so okay. I will try to discourage, you know, excess barking too. Okay. So. And what would you do just for, for everybody that's listening? If your dog started barking while you were playing, what would you do? I would just end the play session. So I would immediately Perfect. just say, settle, take a hold of the collar, 
what a good dog. Look at yeah. you now settling. Yes. Absolutely. So the fun ends when they do something that you don't like them doing. And then through trial and error with the dogs, they learn to stop behaviors right. like barking, etc. And again, having taken the time to train them in what settle means will make all the difference in those moments because we're creating that association with just draining the energy right out of them. And they learn it amazingly well do, as long yes. as we take some time to actually yes. teach it. That's I, great. I use it a lot when people come to my door. So suddenly there's, you know, a bang, bang, bang on the door. And, uh, you know, my two dogs will, you know, hop around the house barking and going crazy, of course. Oh my goodness, And I can yep. just call out to them, hey guys, settle. Yeah. Okay, go to your beds. Brilliant. And, you know, calm is restored. Yeah. Now, that didn't happen overnight, of course. That was lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of repetition and mm -hmm. emotional maturity on my dog's part. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's one of the rewards of having a, a grown trained dog. Absolutely. But that's such an important thing that you just said there. Lots and lots of repetition, because a lot of the times people are sort of under the false assumption that dogs learn along the same lines that we do. Mm -hmm. And they don't. They need a lot of repetition. They need repetition over multiple environments. You know, they're tremendously situational where we are usually pretty linear in our learning. We right. can learn, you know, what um, basic math skills in a classroom and then carry those to other areas of our life and learn how to apply them. Mm -hmm. Dogs think a little bit differently. So we want to make sure that they have the opportunity to fairly learn all these things. And I think what you just said was a really important thing. It's mm -hmm. going to take some repetition, right. it's going to take some maturity, and it's going to take some time to build in some of these skills. So mm -hmm. don't expect it to happen overnight. But when you start when they're really young, what mm -hmm. they learn first, they learn best. Yes. We say that a lot. Mm -hmm. And it is so absolutely true. So if you can capitalize on the cooperative nature of a young puppy, that will it'll make you have to work a lot less diligently mm -hmm. as you, as they age and as they grow and even as they get through development periods. So I love that you talked about the rules of play mm -hmm. and things that you like and don't like. And you know, where you said, I'm not a big fan of barking. Some people might not mind that. So rules are completely up to you to establish, you know, if you have a dog that you want to encourage to bark and play as part of the routine, or maybe you want to encourage some play growling or things like that, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And you can definitely determine what rules work best for your life. You know, if you're living in a condo or, or an apartment, barking might be something that you want to try to squash mm -hmm. as much as possible in play. Whereas if you live on a hundred acres, probably you're not going to care right, that yeah. much about where, about uh, offending your mm. neighbors with barking. So right. and things like that are up to different, you. Different dogs have had different rules too. Yes. Um, my little dogs, I don't mind if they jump up when we're playing. However, that. my Malinois, who were yeah. much taller and more powerful, I didn't want them jumping up on me. Uh, you know, it's just not something I wanted to encourage with those dogs. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, different dogs had different rules. Yeah, and that actually is a great segue. You're the segue queen into the next item on my list, which is teaching off. Ooh, off. So, yeah, another really important mm -hmm. skill. And what do you think about that? I think that off is a very important skill, Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I led into that so beautifully, didn't you I? Did, you did. It, it really, really is. And so this is another thing that I really like to explain to people. You said, I like my little dogs to jump up. I don't like my bigger dogs to jump mm. up. And this is something that you can personalize for your own goals and your dogs, your goals with your own dogs in the household as well, even if they're different from one dog to the next, mm -hmm. even if they're different from one person 
to the next right. as yes, well. You definitely. know, you might have somebody in your household that doesn't want the dog jumping up on them. So one of the really wonderful things about dogs is you can teach them both on and off. Mm-hmm. So with my own dogs, I like the default behavior to always be that you don't jump up. Right. So the only time that they're that it's acceptable for them to jump up is when I've invited them. And I happen yes. to invite them quite a lot. I'll invite them up for snuggles. Right. I'll invite them up during play. I'll mm-hmm. invite them up if they're retrieving and uh, I don't want to bend down to take the toy. Mm-hmm. I'll often invite them up with a, a jump up command. Right. And then from there, I can take the toy without having to bend over, yes. which, you know, sounds lazy, but <laughs> Shannon, it's very efficient. Yeah, Shannon can be lazy. <laughs> no, she's not. Efficient. Actually, Shannon's not lazy. I would never, I've never put those two words together. Oh my gosh, you're funny. No worries. I wasn't offended at all by me calling myself lazy. <laughs> But thank you. Um, So yeah, these are some of the things that you can do. You can personalize your training to your Mm. own dog. So I had a very different way of teaching my Rottweiler to jump up, for example, than I do with my Tollers. With my Rottweiler coming back on a retrieve, I never would have invited her up with the momentum of her running back towards me because in all likelihood... It would not have ended right, well yes. for me. But the tollers, I can generally take. I mm-hmm. mean, I do end up occasionally with bruises on my legs when they're coming back at me and I say, hop, whoops, I just hit the mic there. When I, they're coming mm-hmm. back at me and I say, hop, and they're running full force at me, but I'm ready for it. I know it's not going to knock me over. I've invited it. So right, yes. yeah, I don't necessarily mind the bruise. Like Sometimes I'm kind of proud of them. Right. Like, wow, yeah. Look how tough my little <laughs> toller dogs are. <laughs> but Shannon wouldn't have her dog uh, approach children like that exactly yeah or the you know the little old lady next door yeah absolutely absolutely personalized for her you bet so when i just to clarify in case anybody's trying to picture what this is i'm talking about if i throw something for my dog and they turn and they're running back towards me with that toy i will often you know put my put my hands up in the air and say hop and then they jump with their front Mm -hmm. feet up against my legs and sometimes you know there's a lot of action there and it hits a little bit uh it hits a little (laughs) bit harder but i actually like that in my dog so i'm okay with that Mm -hmm. but but it's definitely not something that everybody needs. And like you said, the uh, the small child next door, I'm not going to have them be doing the same thing. And I'm going to help my dog understand in that situation that he actually shouldn't jump mm-hmm. up in that scenario. And that I can do quite nicely by teaching my dog both to jump up on command and to stay off on command. So again, these are things that we want to spend some time teaching, of course, yes. but they will definitely pay off mm-hmm. very, very well. I remember my mother-in-law, she was in her 90s and um, we had our Saluki cowboy who was okay. very tall and um Cowboy didn't jump. She uh, was, you know, had been patterned right from a young dog. You don't jump unless you're invited. Good. But um, with Grandma Eleanor, she was very frail, and I never wanted her to have the chance of Cowboy ever jumping on her. So of um, I always told Grandma Eleanor, I said, you know, any anytime you get up and walk, if Cowboy's near, you know, you can always just remind Cowboy. You can say off and just put your hands out, and Cowboy knows exactly what that means. Off means do not jump when I have my hands out. Perfect. And Grandma Eleanor, even if Cowboy wasn't even in the room or Cowboy was outside, she took nothing to chance. Uh, She wandered around our house basically with her hands out saying, off, off. (laughs) Um, But Cowboy never jumped on her. But I thought, you know what? This 
this is safe a safety zone. So yeah. um, yes, and I would have put Cowboy away if I thought there was a problem. I wouldn't have had her out. But definitely. Um, well, and how nice that Cowboy was able to be part of things, and Grandma Eleanor was able to interact right, with yes. Cowboy because she had that skill. Right. So yes, and it made wonderful. it gave Grandma Eleanor the confidence that she could move around our house and move around Cowboy, Absolutely. and uh, it was nice. It was really nice. Yeah. Yes. See, these are important skills. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you talked about Grandma Eleanor. That's nice. Yes. Um, all righty. So the next one on my list is weight versus stay. So mm. first off, let's qualify. What is a weight? A weight is a temporary freeze your dog does. Perfect. And what is a stay? Stay is a permanent sit or lie down and grow cobwebs on your ears, you're not going to move until I come back to you and release. Perfect. So our students will often uh, look for clarification on what the difference between these two commands are. And the weight is just, you know, I always like to clarify by saying if I wanted to walk down the stairs and I had a young dog who I knew was a risk for knocking me down the stairs, I might have them sit and tell them wait at the top of the stairs so that I can walk down first. And then from the bottom of the stairs, I can tell them, okay, and release them down to me. Mm -hmm. With a stay, our criteria is different. And because we want to make sure that, like you said, the dogs learn that their job is just to sit there and grow cobwebs Mm -hmm. until you physically return to them, this really creates a reliability in our dogs. Yes. And And they relax. They relax in the stay, whereas on a wait, you can see them like, oh, something's going to, they're going to release me. Something's going to happen. But a stay means have a nap. Yeah, absolutely. So if um, for those of you who do dog sports, if you're thinking about uh, start lines in agility, for example, we would use a weight there because we're leaving the dogs so that we can get some distance away so that we have a chance of keeping up with them on course Mm -hmm. versus a stay. We would have to return to their side to release. So it doesn't make sense in that scenario. And I will tell you, actually, let me ask you first, when do you use stays in day to day life? Very, very seldom, <laughs> hardly ever, yep. hardly ever. But I use a weight yep. many times yes. during the day, I believe. Absolutely. But stays are extremely infrequent. Yeah. And I will say that other than the obedience ring mm-hmm. and actual training, mm-hmm. I do not use stays. And the reason that I still teach stays is because they are so exceptionally good for a couple of things. One, they're exceptionally good for building emotional control with our dogs. Mm-hmm. So because of the nature of the weight, where they're on the tip of their toes and they're ready to go whenever you say, okay, it's good for control, but it's not quite the same. Whereas with a stay, my dog is going to have that understanding of relaxing. And I don't use them in a practical way in day-to-day life, but I train them quite a bit with my mm-hmm. young dogs because it helps with leadership. Yep. Definitely so, leadership. Yep. If there's any moment in our relationship and these happen, you know, dogs are, are constantly in flux. Mm-hmm. They're in development for the first, you know, three ish years of their lives and things change. And a lot of the times it's nice to have really concrete, you must commands. Mm-hmm. And with the stay, we're not rough. We're not aggressive with them to say you must, but there is a very clear criteria that says you absolutely must hold the sit. And if you get up out of the sit, I'm going to place you back in the sit or I'm going to fix you in the sit. And you are going to maintain that sit until I tell you, okay. And sometimes we have these little, you know, tete-a-tete battles with our young dogs because they're hitting adolescence and they're challenging the rules and things like stay have such solid criteria to fall back on that we can sort of reassert ourselves as leaders without being overly emotional and without being confused about that process and without being angry with our dogs. Mm -hmm. We can simply say, you know what? 
a fact is a fact. I told you to stay. You have to stay. I'm going to make sure that every time you get up, I put you right back in the stay. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to hold that position until I return to you. It's going to be well worth your while. If you do, of course, we teach stays and all of our skills Mm -hmm. with using lots of food rewards and things. But it gives you an exercise to say in a nice way, you must. Sorry, but you must comply with this uh, command that Mm -hmm. I've given you. And I'm not going to let you get away with anything else. Right. It's very black and white. Exactly. And I find that these days there's a lot of confusion with having to um, having to convince people that it's okay to say no to both dogs and kids. Mm -hmm. You know, we have these sort of complicated lives where we're busy and we have all this guilt that comes into play. And a lot of the times there's confusion and there's no real, you know, manual on training any of these things and teaching Mm -hmm. kids and teaching our dogs. So sometimes people get really stuck in their own heads and they're confused about when they should be consistent with their dogs and make the thing happen and when they should sort of let things slide a little bit. And of course, when we're confused and unsure, we tend to lean more towards the, we'll let it slide side. And then the dogs go, oh, you know what? Well, I got away with not listening in that situation. Yes, exactly. And not that they're trying to manipulate against us, but they are trying to figure out where the value is in life. Mm -hmm. And they are trying to figure out how to live by the rules or sometimes circumvent the rules. So having these skills like a stay that have ironclad criteria, black Mm -hmm. and white, like you said, it just makes all the difference. And it can often be the, the, um, the thing that helps our students regain leadership is going back to doing some stay training. You know, it's not, we're not making the dog stay for half an hour or anything like that. A couple of minutes at a time is like a lot of time for a stay, but that clear criteria really says, you know, you have to focus on what I'm saying and good things will happen when you do, but I'm not letting you off the hook when you don't sort of thing. So that's why I love stays. Right. Yes. And consistent criteria and, and just consistency, it's the kindest way to train your dog. It um, really you is. Know, imagine if you're at a new job and they keep changing the rules on you. Oh, yeah. It's very frustrating it mentally to you. And your dog, your puppy feels the same. They're frustrated yeah. if they don't understand because you're changing up all the time. So Um, very important to keep things black and white with them. I love that. And it's so important to note that good, strong leaders are not good, strong leaders because they're militant and aggressive and angry. They're good, strong leaders because they're consistent, which helps dogs realize that they will be safe looking to that person or, you know, whatever the entity may be, but looking to that person for leadership, that is going to help keep them safe. And at the end of the day, that is really what instinct in dogs boils down to. Mm -hmm. They want to enjoy life and they want to have fun. But what's really important is that feeling of security and that feeling of safety. And if you change the rules, because sometimes you're in a, in a good mood and you don't mind if your dog jumps up and then other times you're not in such a good mood and it's irritating, you become a mean and scary leader. It doesn't necessarily have to be that you're aggressive or angry or militant in any way. Right. Your dog, you know, can't understand the difference between you and your jeans and you and your white pantsuit your white velour pantsuit oh yeah and i wear that all the time yes my favorite outfit my white white velour pantsuit actually it's a leisure suit it's a leisure suit (laughs) (laughs) it's a one piece it's got a one zipper yeah perfect my leisure suit white velour leisure suit (laughs) 
Love it. Love I'll it. have to get that for our next episode and wear it. <laughs> All righty. So we talked about weight versus stay. Now, my next talking point here is greeting manners. Mm. And I think this one is really important. And this is one where people will often sort of rush into the actual greeting of things and inadvertently teach their dogs bad manners, like jumping up. Because mm-hmm. especially during socialization windows, when we have young puppies, a lot of the times we put the socialization aspect and exposure to people in a more um, more priority spot than manners, which has its dangerous side mm-hmm. because, of course, then you become somebody who's going to change the rules a little later right. down the road. I and and this this rings true of me because I I did start with a Rottweiler, and of course I was always thinking like, okay, well she's a young baby puppy now, and it's not a big deal when she jumps up on people, but when she weighs eighty pounds, that's going to be a different scenario. So it was really important to me that I give her clarity, and of course I was really young and new in my dog training at that point. This is twenty three ish years ago, um, maybe twenty four now actually. We're in twenty twenty three, so. Time just keeps growing. But um, <laughs> at that point, I remember there being confusion over which to prioritize. Like, I want her to be very well socialized. Of course, she's a Rottweiler. I don't want a chance that she's under socialized mm-hmm. and then unfriendly with people or unfriendly with other dogs. But at the same time, I want her to be mannerly. So where is the balance there? What are your thoughts on that? I always will take manners over the greeting. I, yes, because yeah. to me... You know, greeting people is is fine, but if there's no manners, yeah. the greeting is is lost and silly, and the dogs rehearsing terrible behavior and possibly scratching people. Yeah, I remember one of my corgis once jumped up on a little boy. Uh, it was in the summer; he didn't have his shirt on. I think we were near a uh, some sort of water park, and um, I remember Iggy left a scratch on him, Ooh. and I was horrified because it was just a friendly, nice greeting. And I remember thinking, oh, what's his parents going to think? And Aww. I remember saying to the little boy, where are your parents? And uh, I, I wanted to talk to them and just, you know, apologize. And, you know, everything was fine. But um, I, I was horrified. And I, I, I had Iggy when I was 19. Okay. And I learned from that point on that I don't want to feel that feeling again. Gotcha. So let's let's get these dogs greeting properly. Yeah, greeting manners are so important. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can have the best of both worlds. So um, this is another situation where it is good to teach your dogs to have good greeting manners. And then there are times when you might want to let them let loose and invite them to jump up. Mm-hmm. Or they might, you know, greet somebody who they know very well and that person might invite them to jump up right. if they don't mind that sort of behavior and you've established that command so those are some really good thoughts that you know it doesn't have to be this all or nothing thing as long as it's a controlled situation yes and I actually did a private lesson with um with someone maybe about six months ago and their partner um it was a really interesting private lesson because she was very into the dog training and into the manners and her partner thought that that was more of like creating a robot and the dog, et cetera, et cetera. And he was great. He was great to work with. I had lots of fun working with both of them. And I w- he was the type of person that I could sort of say, you know what, you're being mm-hmm. a little bit obtuse in what you're <laughs> thinking here. Because yes, of course, like you want to have a dog that's not a robot. You want to enjoy her and play with her and have fun. Mm-hmm. 
But you also have an elderly mother-in-law that, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're here in this private lesson because your, your partner doesn't want her mother to be knocked over by this dog. So there is a happy medium. You know, right. if you teach this dog to jump up on you on command, you can have all of those great mm-hmm. things that you want in that interaction. And she doesn't need to be a re- robot. But the default behaviors are the more important things right. and they become not jumping up. They become greeting politely and staying off the elderly mother-in-law so that there's not a situation where there's going to be an accident with her. Right. So, it's, it's like how we teach our children. Like, you know, our son might or our daughter might want to, uh, you know, roughhouse with one of their cousins mm-hmm. and that's fine. But, you know, their grandmother doesn't want them to roughhouse with, with them. So, yeah. you know, we instruct our children in the same way. You, you greet nicely. You don't just tackle people. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There you go. You can have <laughs> you can have the best of both worlds. You right. can have WrestleMania in the living room with the kids, but nice snuggles with grandma. I right. love it. Yes. It's perfect. Yes. So perfect. So with greeting manners, it's really important to actually teach the dog. And a lot of the times people will sort of fly into this and not necessarily know how to help the dog be right. And the excitement value, of course, with the greeting will often drive the dog's behavior. So what are some of the tips that you have for people when they're teaching their young dog? greeting manners well i always start with my puppy in a sitting position okay because a dog who's sitting isn't jumping isn't nipping isn't biting isn't knocking people over no and they're nicely under control and then where do you go from there do you have the people come in and and rough up their fur and have a blast no 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 i one of the one of the things of teaching a puppy how to greet nice is teaching your guests and family members and anyone walking down the street how to greet your puppy properly Yes. So I always, you know, first rule is if my puppy is jumping on you, you have to stop greeting them. You Perfect. know, we, we don't want to reward the puppy, even by even a puppy jumping on me. If I smile at them, I'm rewarding them. Yeah. So we need to let the people know what behaviors we want from them. Yeah, absolutely. And I usually will start my greeting manners either with my young puppy up in arms so they can't rehearse any of the bad behaviors that I don't like. So mm-hmm. this is a really young puppy that I can still pick up. And then what I will do as they're getting older and bigger and I'm working on what you said starting with my dog sitting at the side Mm -hmm. I will actually have people just stand 10 feet away as I'm talking to them and you know if somebody says gosh your puppy's so cute can I say hello yeah absolutely but you know what she's working on greeting manners Mm -hmm. I'm going to have you just stop about 10 feet away there if you wouldn't mind and I'm going to reward her in this sit for not trying to jump all over you Mm -hmm. and then we'll see where we go from there and sometimes they can come in closer and sometimes they're just they're just happy to be in the presence of a cute little puppy. So a lot of the times they're happy to comply with what I've asked them to do. And I have had a situation or two Not very often, but I have had a situation or two where the people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. It's a dog and you want to say you want them to greet. And I'll just, you know, politely say, well, it was lovely chatting with you today (laughs) and we're going to be on our way. Um, There was a time in my life where I wouldn't have been able to do that. But Mm -hmm. after the duration I've spent training dogs now, I've I've I feel more empowered to be able to say, no, you know what? I have just as much right to my opinion with this dog as you think you do. Right. Yes. (laughs) And I'm going to go with my gut because I'm the one that has to live with this dog for the next 15 years and I'm the one that has to now help my dog understand that even though it was okay to jump on you presumably it's not okay to jump on this other person person. down the street so consistency we we create an expectation in our puppies too if I'm walking down the street and with a cute puppy you know everyone wants to stop and pat it and if I let my eight or nine week old puppy rush out to jump on that person and get roughhoused now I'm creating 
a response from the puppy. Mm-hmm. So the puppy's growing bigger and bigger, and they're still saying, well, you taught me when I was eight yeah. weeks old that it was fine to rush up to people and jump all over. Now I'm eight months old. Why, why is it any different? Absolutely. So we, we've, we've done our puppy a wrong there. Yes. We've yes. caused confusion. Right, Absolutely. yes. And we've been inconsistent leaders for them, and now they're not sure what the rules are supposed to be. Right, yeah. they don't understand that as they get bigger, rules can change. So Absolutely. it's very important with a young puppy to not let them rehearse any behaviors you don't want them to have as an adult. You bet. And think about these sort of training steps as a process. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. So I'm not going to go from having my puppy sit at my side with a person 12 feet away to then being able to say, okay, go say hi and have them go and make the right decisions with people out and about there. This is one step out of maybe 10 or 20. So my next step might be to have the person come in a little closer. And then my dog is learning this whole time what their expectation is and Mm -hmm. what their job is. So if the person comes in closer and my puppy gets up out of excitement, all I'm going to do is place them back into the sit. Mm -hmm. And placing the sit is something that we condition with our dogs so they know what it means and it's not a big deal. And if my dog's doing great, then I might have the person come in a little bit closer. Maybe they might come in and stand beside my dog. And that while they're standing beside my dog, I'm saying, yes, what a good dog. And Mm -hmm. I'm feeding my puppy for holding that sit. And then once they're once they're well versed enough at doing something like that, sitting with somebody nice and close, it's a it's a much easier expectation to now move to that person actually reaching in and saying hello with a little bit of a pat. Mm -hmm. And a small pat at first. You don't have the person reach in and grab their cheeks and (laughs) (laughs) that sounded more like a horse interaction. It did sound like a horse interaction. Yes. But but point taken nonetheless. People do stuff like that (laughs) though. Like yeah, you don't you don't know what the public's gonna do, really. (laughs) It's true, absolutely. And sometimes even just somebody looking at the puppy and like making a funny noise will make the puppy burst out of their skin. So it's good to practice these things. I I really like to get a lot of my training done in setup situations. So Mm -hmm. as an example, I might invite you over for coffee and I might be working greeting manners with my new puppy. Two creams. Absolutely. (laughs) It's on route. And I might be working greeting manners with my new puppy with you because I know you're coachable. I know you have good dog instincts. And that way, all I have to worry about is the message that my dog's getting. Mm -hmm. I don't have to worry about trying to train a a stranger on the street. I don't have to worry if they're going to be the one strange person that says, you're ridiculous making that dog behave. You know, we all have opinions and everybody is free to voice theirs, but I'm going to make decisions that work well for me and my dog. So I I have one funny story and it worked out. It worked out. This is back when I was young in my early 20s. I had another corgi named Gavin. He wasn't quite as well-tempered as Iggy. He was a little bit afraid. Okay but afraid enough that he would possibly lash out. Now, he never did, but I recognized that yeah. in him. He never did, but I thought, you know, this dog is capable of this, as, mm-hmm. as all dogs are. But mm-hmm. And um, I, was, so I was very careful in his greetings with people. Uh, he got great, uh, you know, I'd say after he was about two, impeccable dog, impeccable temperament. But uh, I remember this, uh, I met this uh, man on the street, and he didn't speak English, Um I don't know what language he was speaking, but he was a very big man. Okay. And he he wanted to pat Gavin. And Gavin was very cute, so I could see why. <laughs> but and he started talking to me in another language and I'm saying, uh, no, like no, no, it's you know, and I'm thinking, this man is huge. This is gonna freak Gavin out. Okay. And um I was trying to get away, but this man was not taking no for an answer. And finally it's like it's going to happen. The man, you know, I wasn't, you know, I should have stood up better for myself. So this man leaned over to Pat Gavin and I thought he's going to get bit. I was really worried and, and, and he didn't. 
you know, I could see Gavin was like, holy man, like what's happening here? And the man was loud and speaking in another language and really patting Gavin up and uh, all went well, but I was very lucky. So you don't know who you're going to meet. You know, like I was shocked. I've never had an episode like that happen again, but it was a bit shocking to me that how persistent this man was. Yeah, strange things happen out they there do, on yes. the street, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, I'm glad all that turned out well, and I'm glad that... Oh, um I have another funny story. Okay. There was a man who used to sit in the same town and on the same street that this happened, and he used to sit on his porch, and he had a basket of dog biscuits. And as you walked by Aww. his house, he would reach in there, but he wouldn't make any movement to come to you he would whip the dog biscuits at you (laughs) your dog oh my goodness and it was a little bit frightening but um i knew he i knew he loved dogs and he had the best interests but it was uh yeah it would rain and he had a good arm on him that man it would suddenly just rain dog cookies at you I bet your dogs got pretty excited when they got they, close to his porch. They did. Now, after after getting whacked a few times by dog cookies, we decided maybe we would avoid that area. Oh my but it happened on the same street. Oh, so isn't that funny? Yeah. Maybe that's where the uh, the funny men the lived. fun the fun happens. The fun, yeah, the fun and the funny men doing weird things. Oh my goodness! Alrighty, so greeting manners so important and. We actually teach greeting manners in our life skills program, uh, life skills one, life skills two. We continue on with greeting manners by moving the dog away from our side and now allowing them to go and say hi without jumping up. So again, as we talked about having multiple steps for each training progression, this is something that you start with, you know, puppy up in arms or puppy sitting at your side. And then you eventually get to the point where you can say, okay, go say hi. And the dog will learn to stay off because they've already had some of this training leading up to it. And now we can give them more direction. They've had some off training. We can help them stay off in that situation. And we don't always have to have such a controlled greeting once we get to the point where the dog has some greeting Mm -hmm. manners and has some understanding. So again, it's a process, but a Mm -hmm. really important skill to teach our young dogs. Right. And there's some, just should mention too, there are some dogs that don't want to greet people. Uh, My Sheltie, she didn't care to greet anybody. Okay. And uh, it was actually kind of fun because people would say, can I pat your dog? And I'll say, well, she, she's not going to come up to you. She doesn't want to be patted. Oh, dogs love me. <laughs> and you know, Atari would be like, no, I don't want you to touch me. No, so, uh, I really don't love yes. you. Yes. <laughs> so that, she was an easy dog to teach for greeting manners too, because she just didn't go. care to greet people. <laughs> well, and you know what? That's an interesting point because one of the things on my list is what's important to you. So we're talking about the, the skills that we find that are crucial for an average dog. But one of the talking points I have here is that not everybody has the same needs. So in that situation, for example, you don't necessarily need to spend a ton of time teaching greeting manners because it's not ever something you're going to force on her mm-hmm. and it's not something that she wants to do on her own. So, right. And I can appreciate this because I've had multiple tollers in my life and they have the word aloof in their um, in the makeup of their being. Mm-hmm. This is their temperament. The, in the standard, it says that they are aloof, which I've had some tollers that I would consider more fearful and mm-hmm. insecure. And I've had some tollers that I would say, yep, match the aloof description mm-hmm. perfectly. And I would say my bookend tollers, Jaden and Ned, both of them would be aloof. They're the perfect version of aloof because they're friendly enough to wander up to somebody and go, oh, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. And then they wander away. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's actually one of the things that I love about the breed right. because I really like sporting breeds, but 
maybe it's my ego. I don't know. I want a dog that thinks I'm more important than everybody else around. Mm -hmm. And Labs and Goldens just tend to be so gregarious and friendly that they often love everybody. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's not equally, but it, I think it would be too much of a hit on my ego. So I like that my tollers being aloof will show people interest. They'll be like, hey, how are you? But right. then that's as good as it gets. Yeah. They're not jumping in your lap anytime soon. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, going home with you. They want to check you out and want to be buddies. And then they want to come back to me and mm-hmm. be my bestie. So yes. that makes me happy. I like that in the toller. It's one of the, th- the reasons I like that breed. All righty. Um, you talked about this one a little bit earlier, but it was just briefly alluded to. And that is a bed stay or a bed send. Right. And I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. I love this one in my house. So tell me what this means to you. Well, I ask my dogs to go and lie down. That's my command. Go and find your bed and go and lie down and just get out of my hair because sometimes I just need them out of my hair. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know, I'm trying to wrap Christmas presents on the floor. They're walking on the wrapping paper. I have dog (laughs) hair in my tape. Go lie down, guys. Come on, just go lie down, please. And, you know, then off they go to lie down. And, uh, you know, they wait there until I'm ready to uh, have them interact with me again. Yeah, perfect. And, of course, they're always in the thick of things, right? Right. What are you doing? What What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm I'm trying to pick dog hair out of my tape now. Thank you very much. Right, yes, yes, yes. (laughs) I love this. So uh, you talked about it in terms of, you know, somebody banging on the door, just some random person Mm -hmm. suddenly banging on your door and sending Mm -hmm. your dogs to the bed. So um, I love it for that. Right. Yes. Especially. And I do teach my dogs this as well. Mm -hmm. How do you go about teaching this? Well, I start off with a bed Mm -hmm. or a mat of some sort. Yes. And a dog. (laughs) That is important. That is important. So I started off with treats, of course. I uh, I, uh, take the dog to the bed. I toss a few treats. I say, you're ready. Ready? Go lie down. And off they go. They eat the treats and then we'll lure them down on the bed. Okay. So I, I teach it in a very positive manner. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, the, the laying on the bread, on the bread, on the bed brings <laughs> you, you good things. You won't be a sandwich yes. eventually, yeah. I promise. Brings them good things. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. So I, and it's part of our, our program too, our... Um, it is. Our Puppy Essentials Online, our bed stays. Yeah, absolutely. And we start this really young with our dogs because it's sort of the thing that we use in transitioning them away from crates and into a little bit more freedom. Uh, a lot of the times they're not quite ready to be free and loose in the house and not get into mischief. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times we want to make progress away from having to have them in their crates when we're not able to supervise them. So the bed stay is a great way of mm-hmm. you know incorporating them into our lives when we want to relax for the evening for example and we want to watch something on tv i will often with my adult dogs i'll just say okay guys go to your bed actually i don't even have to really say it anymore they just they take the cues and they know when i sit down to in front of the tv they know that they go to their beds and they hang out there and they have their chews and whatnot and sometimes they'll you know they'll come and say hey what are we doing Are we doing Mm -hmm. anything exciting? And I just say, no, you know what? Just settle. And then they go and find their beds again or they lie down wherever they are and they just chill and they take those, uh, they take those cues so nicely. Right. Yes. I I recently took uh, our dog's bed to the, uh, we went to a hotel and, um, just because we were traveling and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I bring their beds and it's like, I put their beds on the hotel room floor and right away the dogs say, I recognize this place. This is a good place. Yeah. And it, it just, it gives them security. It calms them. You know, they have something from home. Yeah, 
for sure. I love this. So um, in talking about this in terms of teaching it as ascend when somebody comes to the door, I love that. And I think it's such an important skill to have because of course you never know who's going to be at the door. Right. So I might open the door and it might be someone delivering an Amazon package mm-hmm. that doesn't like dogs. Maybe they're afraid of dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had skip the dishes come to my house before and Reggie barked from the um, other room when the doorbell rang and I just, you know, go to your bed Mm -hmm. guys no big deal and I opened the door and the guy on the other side of the door was like immediately I could immediately see that he was put off Mm -hmm. and I said it's okay they're away and I saw him relax and then he handed me my skip the dishes bag and off he went and I thought you know I bet he probably has had some like close calls at houses when dogs have uh, expected him to be a dog lover and he's Mm -hmm. not necessarily that so I I like to um, make sure that my dogs are under good control at the door as well Mm -hmm. I don't want a chance that when I open the door for that delivery that my dog sneaks out when I'm not watching or something right, of yes, that nature. Yes. So it's always yeah, it a good them thing. away from the door. Yeah. Although the odd time, if, if I have an unexpected knock, mm-hmm. I will answer the door with my dog on leash or holding the dog's collar. Okay. Just because I don't know who's at that door. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, hey, look, I got a dog here with me. Yeah. yeah so, you bet. Yeah. But if I'm expecting someone, you guys go lie down. You know, I just want this to be calm. Yeah, I like the barking too, to be mm-hmm. honest. So I um, I tend to not squash the barking. But when I say, okay, that'll do, quiet, mm-hmm. I expect my dogs right. to stop at that point because mm-hmm. now I've got it. But I actually like them to go, hey, there's something weird going on here. This is different. Someone's approaching or the doorbell ring or whatever the case may be. Right. Yes. Because then that presence is there. And right. because I send them to their beds, people don't see that they're not tough dogs. Right. And Ned sounds like he could be. So <laughs> I remember I had an unexpected, I lived in a townhouse and I had an unexpected knock on my door. Actually, I had just gotten home from McCann's and it was, this is uh, quite a while ago. It was back in the day and um, it was around 11 o'clock at night. And I thought, Ooh. why is someone knocking at my door? So I brought, I had three dogs at the time. I brought all three dogs to the door on leash. I put them all on leash and we all went to the door. And I thought this, whoever's at my door at 11 o'clock is going to see I have three dogs. So it's going to be four against one. Yeah. (laughs) So I opened the door and it was two police officers. Oh my goodness. And the police uh, cruisers were blocking my driveway with their red lights flashing. And um, they... I had just moved into the townhouse and I guess whoever had just moved out of the townhouse was wanted by those police. Oh my goodness. And I had to show ID showing who I was and uh, yeah, they came in and looked around and then they left. So it was, it was quite interesting, but, um, but yeah, I, yeah. Maybe just, there was like buried treasure in the walls or something. I don't know. The whole house had been gutted and renovated. Okay. So um, I don't know. I never uh, found anything. Uh, yes. Good. But uh, yeah, good. it was quite a surprise. <laughs> oh, but we digress. That's quite the we do, just a but random that's an story. Yes, story. I yes. like that story. Alrighty. So the next thing on my list is teaching fetch. And this is not necessarily a crucial thing to teach your dog, but it's a really good thing to teach your dog. And especially for dogs that, you know, have more energy than mm-hmm. we do and need some um, uh, need some f- more physical exercise to be happy that um, the fetch command is an amazing one to have. Mm-hmm. Teaching your dogs to retrieve is a really, really valuable thing. Right. Um, and it also gives you an avenue to teach what is an extremely crucial skill. And that is the out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us about out or drop it. Out or drop it means to give whatever you have to me right away. Perfect. And this is something that uh, we like to have with our dogs really early on. Um, 
it's one of the first things I actually teach mm-hmm. with my young dogs because, of course, sporting breeds love to pick everything up. Right. Love to have things in their mouths. <laughs> and like they're they're just very they're very tactile with their mouths. And it's important for them to be able to explore the world with their mouths. And that is natural for them. So they pick up anything and everything. Um, I do a lot of good management in my house to make sure that the puppy is not picking up things that they shouldn't mm-hmm. have access to. So like, you know, when before they understand how to leave it, my shoes and such are blocked off and there's never anything little around that they might pick up and swallow that mm-hmm. might be dangerous. But of course, I live in the real world and there's sticks and twigs and and leaves and rocks and all sorts of things that they like to- Dead mice. Dead mice, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. (laughs) Um, Squishy, the CKC Spaniel that I had for a while, picked up a mole and he had the whole mole in his (laughs) mouth. It was actually on the McCann property and all that was sticking out of his mouth was this tail. (laughs) and then when I got it out of his mouth he was actually deaf and he was new to me at that point so he did not have an an out command and uh, I had to fish it out of his mouth and it was not a fun experience but that's something you want to touch (laughs) no it was not nice at all but anyways um (laughs) the out command is so crucial and with my own dogs I have a couple of, of variations of out but the most important thing is that they spit whatever happens to be in their mouth in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to talk about, this is something where people are often very reactive in their dog training with, because they don't necessarily see the importance of teaching the out in sort of a training capacity. And they wait until the dog picks up things and then they go and wrestle it out of the dog's mouth. Right. And they're screaming out, 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 or drop it. And the dog says, I don't know what you mean, but I better hang on to this tighter because you really want it. Absolutely. And, and even if they are at that point working trades, it's not a good setup to be to be working a trade with something that they found out there in the real world where now, you know, you've you've tried to take it back and they haven't given it up. So now you pull out a piece of food and they willingly give it up and then the, the brain goes, yes, Ding! and the dog learns that when I pick up things and then just hold my ground for a minute, you eventually pull out a treat and right. offer me that treat. So we will teach that. So this is a situation where I'm teaching my dog to retrieve or to tug. And then when he's got this toy that I'm playing with and we're having a good time, I can use good timing and I can use good training in that moment to say out. And then one second later, offer them a trade, whether that's a piece of food or another toy is totally uh, Mm -hmm. situational, situationally dependent and dependent on the dog and what they like. But it gives you a jumping off point for the out command. And like Mm -hmm. I said, there's always a bunch of steps for every training situation. Right. So the next the next step in that situation would be to ask for the out, not offer the trade, but rely on the anticipation factor. Right. So if we do enough work without trade one second later, dogs will start to anticipate, okay, I hear that word out and something else is coming. So they'll start to let go of the toy before the food actually comes into play. And then you've got your next progression to build on mm-hmm. and you can continue from there. I actually find that it's a really, really easy command to teach in that capacity, but it can become convoluted very quickly with, um, with opportunity and time out there in the real world and not enough repetition in the training capacity. So Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important that 
in real life, we do our best to manage the situation. So when I have a young puppy, I go out and I scour the yard for debris first, or I section off a piece of my yard so that, you know, if there's a a whole bunch of leaves or twigs or something Mm -hmm. in one area, I make sure that my dog, my young puppy can't access that. And then I can bring them out to toilet and I can bring them out to play some tug or do some retrieves or do some recall games or response to name or things like that without the sticks being part of the equation. And in a parallel sort of Mm -hmm. time period, I am teaching the out at that point as well. And then eventually those two worlds can come together and I can have a reliable out out there in the real world. But the last thing I want is for my puppy to start holding items for ransom. So they'll pull out food or feeding into the natural instinct to possess things by me me becoming a threat to take items away from my dog. Right. And that's, uh, we should always be using our house line as well because, you know, the puppy picks up a leaf and we want the leaf out of, although I'm not that concerned about leaf. So maybe the puppy picks up a pine cone, Mm. which maybe could cause some digestional upset. And now I don't have a line on the puppy, but I want that pine cone out of their mouth. Yes. So now we engage in a chase. Yeah. And the puppy says, this is amazing. I love this chase. <laughs> if I have the long line on, I can simply step on the line, matter of factly walk over to the puppy and get it out of his mouth, fish it out of his mouth and, uh, you know, go about our day. Absolutely. And keep away is real. And it's a really Mm -hmm. fun time for our dogs. The last thing we want is for them to learn to play keep away. So having a leash or a line on until you have good, reliable verbal control, it is so important. And I'll tell you, like these tendencies, my my sporting breeds, they never grow out of wanting to grab things in their mouths. When they are in a joyful, spirited moment, Mm -hmm. they look for things to try to grab and pick up because that is part of their joy. And so so as a young dog, I will teach. This is something that's important to me. It would it would fall into the category of what's important to you. What are you going to spend time on because this is your dog and your life? And I will spend time teaching my young puppies to target on their toys. So for example, when I'm, you know, when we're getting excited and we're getting stimulated, maybe doing some playtime or something like that, I will encourage my dog over to a toy and then they'll grab that toy and we'll have a little play with that. So instead of them expressing that excitement and joy and looking for something like a stick or a twig or some random item Mm -hmm. that they maybe shouldn't have in their mouths, they will have been conditioned to look for their own toys, look for the Kong or look for the bone, look for the thing that we've played with and that now you can bring to me. Because a lot Mm. of times it's not even that they're being sassy. It's just that, especially with our sporting breeds, they like having things in their mouths. Right. So if you direct mm-hmm. them to the right thing to have in their mouth, then you get to tell them how brilliant they are and have fun with it right. instead of having to try to take it away. Yes. Or worse, they swallow it. Yeah. I um, When I worked at the emergency vet clinic, we would often have Goldens or Labs come in oh my goodness. and Dobermans. Those were the three breeds that seemed to eat things the most. Okay. And the people would say, he grabbed my sock or my underwear. And then I went to chase him to get it out of his mouth and gulp he swallowed it yes because you know it's like oh they're coming to get me i better swallow this and now the dog's got something that could cause something bad inside him yes and um you know they they dogs just gulp it down as soon as they see you start to chase them so yeah yes you don't want that to happen no definitely not and you don't want to create that response in your dog Mm -hmm. that says oh i see you coming i'm gonna i'm gonna just swallow this this back 
Absolutely. So, so important. So a few skills being taught mm-hmm. is going to make a huge difference for you. Um, the last thing I have on my list here to talk about is handling. Handling. Oh, and that handling that kind of goes in with fishing things out of their mouths too. It yes. does. Yes. Absolutely. And actually on that note, one of the things that I do with my dogs quite often when they're youngsters is I work on like a quick mouth wrestle and then I throw a treat in. Hmm. Just so that if I ever do have mm-hmm. to grab, right. it's not something that they're going to fight me on. It's right. not something they're worried about. Yep. So I've conditioned that when I reach for your mouth and pry your jaws open, good things are going to oh. happen. And usually I don't need to use it for anything other than just that, mm-hmm. that training and exposure. Right. I can't think of a situation where it's actually come into play, but I feel really good having that ability right. to just like reach into my dog's mouth whenever I need to, you know, even if they're in the middle of something exciting, right. they immediately acquiesce to that because they're used to it being a really good thing right i remember gavin used to have a gap between his two front teeth oh and he would get stuck stuff stuck in that gap um like say he had like a rope toy or like um, one time (laughs) yeah like anytime and he'd get stuff in there okay and i remember uh my husband would hold his mouth open and i would get a, a pair of pliers and i'd have to pull stuff out of those they were that stuck eh? that stuck wow and it happened maybe five or six times that he got stuff stuck in there and um you know thank goodness we didn't have to go to the vet yeah and you know because he was like you know you know of course he wasn't enjoying the process but um you know he trusted us that we could handle his mouth get those pliers on his front teeth and just pull whatever was in that gap out it was that was i've never heard of anything like that before but course i got the dog that had the gap between his teeth <laughs> <laughs> i'm shocked that you had to use pliers i Pli- thought you yes. were gonna say tweezers but then yeah, pliers, no pliers wow. like things would yeah. get wedged in there like one time he had a he must have had a stick in the yard and he got a piece of bark in there okay and then i don't know why we for some reason it was always like pieces of like rubber toys or latex toys this was back in the early 90s we okay. must have given our dogs like a lot of plate latex toys back i don't know yeah there was a period of time where it was right yeah we're more durable we're so more evolved our toys are so much more evolved than they were yes back then but our toys have we haven't (laughs) yeah (laughs) and i've evolved too now you know probably if i owned gavin now he wouldn't get into as much mischief as he did in when i was in my 20s it's true but then we wouldn't have all the good stories to tell at this point of the mistakes that we've made coming up in our dog training right and it makes you better dog trainers too because absolutely i know now that there's a chance I might have to use pliers to wrench something out of my dog's mouth. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I'm always calling on my empathy and my memories of the mistakes that I made when I'm trying to coach my students, because I think it is so important that we are not, you know, that intimidating force that often happens when you're trying to learn something new. And it, I, I think that it really helps me be able to remember that you know, there was a time when I called my dog stubborn too in uh, in a mistaken way. But there was a time when I believed in in this, that, and the other over reality, which I know now, hopefully, in most cases. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I think it's important that we're able to come to these ideas in an, in in a way that helps us empathize with the students yes. in their learning process, so that we can continue to purport the learning for them. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, it's important that we've gone through all of these weird times right, and moments yes. in our lives. All these embarrassing yeah. yeah things you don't want to admit, but yeah, it happened to Absolutely. me. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, we did um, a DISC seminar on the weekend, and uh, it brought me back to when I was first trying to teach my Rottweiler to catch mm-hmm. a DISC. 
desk. And I remember, this is so funny, I remember sitting in my bedroom on my bed and I took a lid from a little, um, like a yogurt container lid, basically. Mm -hmm. So it was a light little plastic lid because I thought, well, that's going to hurt less if it hits her in the nose than a Frisbee (laughs) would or than a disc would. And I sat there and I tried to like make it last in the air, like make it linger in the air so she had more time to catch it. (laughs) And, you know, all of these tactics that were just like terrible tactics that were not going to work. I would basically just lob it lightly right directly at her face and of course she didn't catch it and I'd be like well this isn't working I don't know what to do and of course these days I know that that is absolutely not the way that you teach a dog to catch a disc but I didn't know any better at that point so I was thinking about that on the weekend as some of our um our intro to disc students were like okay well how do you teach them to catch it when Mm. it's in the air and it was like oh back in the day this is what I thought before I knew any better so there's some good moments in there did you used to walk her on a chain leash I didn't I never walked her on a chain leash luckily we got a McCann leash really actually you know what I still have that leash I still have the same leash that I bought for oh, her in 1999 they, yeah. and it is still in great they shape. do I have some really old forever. leashes too yes yeah. yes they do last forever Good quality equipment Mm -hmm. is so important and like you buy it once and then as long as you take care of it in some way, shape or form, you are going to be able to use it forever. Alrighty. Swanee, is there anything else that you wanted to say about the basic skills that are important for dogs? Um, well, everyone will have different ones. That's mm-hmm. important. Yep. Um, I know like even with my parents, they have some skills that are more important to them. Uh, like their dogs, they don't allow their dogs to walk in their flower beds. Okay. Whereas my dogs can walk in my flower beds. <laughs> so everyone's going to be different on yes, these. So uh, yeah, so pick and choose the ones that are important to you. Yeah, for sure. Take some time, train some skills that will work for you and try not to fall into the habit of becoming reactive in your training and only telling your dogs when they're making mistakes. If you can get some basic skills taught early enough in the game, you will have communication tools to be able to keep your dog on the right track. Mm-hmm. And on that note, I'm Instructor Shannon. I'm Instructor Swanee. Happy training.